Hello and welcome to The Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman, I'm your host, and I am very excited to be joined for this emergency podcast by my co-host, my partner in crime, the Fulham Flyer, the Schwankunk Express, the Ann Trayson to my Ann Perkins. It's Phil Vondra. Phil, welcome back for this big emergency pod. Good to be back. Good to be back. And uh, our first emergency pod, nice to have an emergency of this nature, right? This is the best kind of emergency we could have, I guess. And uh, in addition, we've, we're bringing on a very special guest against definitely his better judgment and with much cajoling and... Wise man. Yes, but he has finally <laughs> agreed to come on and lend us his wisdom. You probably know yeah. him as Steel Town Runner on Twitter. He is the official historian of, maybe unofficial historian, we should say, of ultra running in the United States today. It is Paul Kenter. Paul, welcome to the Pain Cave. Thank you. Not so happy to be here. I know you're yeah. not. And Reputation I... in tatters, ruined, <laughs> last ever podcast. You're going out in style. It's the way to do it. Total, That's it. at the end, I hope to see you drop the mic and walk off. I will do my best. I mean, this Excellent. is great because I know you hate podcasts in general. I know you hate emergency podcasts in particular. I know you hate being unprepared for anything, which is, that's our MO as we come bl guns blazing in. <laughs> unprepared. Any, anything that resembles motto, a motto, right? Anything that resembles a hot take. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, you're the antithesis of sports radio, which is great. Phil, we're going to get started very quickly because we want to blow through this. But uh, before we do, what are you drinking tonight? Me, I went local again, and I have one of my favorites. I have an industrial arts wrench, a little uh, Northeast IPA rocking in at 7% there. Perfect, perfect. Washington I have that in my fridge. Tonic. I've got that so, in my fridge right now. Oh, good. Love industrial good arts. I, I, so good. I, I'm anticipating this being a short and sweet one, so I had to get a little bit, I had to bring in the reinforcements early. So instead of going for beer, I just poured some uh, vodka straight into my Diet Coke. So cheers. Cheers, gentlemen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cheers. Okay. And Paul, I know is, what, what do you have? Tea laced with bourbon? <laughs> That's right. Okay, good. I mean, it's just, uh, it's Wednesday, Wednesday night fair. <laughs> we're all, we're in the perfect mindset. This is perfect. So the occasion for this emergency pod, of course, is the big news in the world of ultra running today. And, and Phil, we just did a, um, a this month, an ultra running pod earlier this week, covering some of the recent stories and mentioned a few upcoming things. And of course, we did not mention that Des Linden was going to be making her ultra marathon debut, such as it was this week, and was specifically targeting the 50k women's world record. I got some crap about that for not even mentioning it before it even happened. And then, of course, within, I don't know, six hours of us releasing the podcast, she went ahead and shattered the previous world record running 2.59.54 to break the existing world record set two years ago by about eight, almost eight minutes. Uh, this world record was set in 2019 at the World Championships by Great Britain's Allie Dixon. Uh, of two oh, oh sorry of three oh seven and uh, that broke a very long-standing world record that had stood for 30 years since 1989 and we'll get into that in just a little bit but Phil just your thoughts on this I guess what if you want to call it a debut it's her first technical ultra marathon and for whatever yep. it was yep. what, what were your thoughts looking at this uh, at this mm. result to me it was never in doubt she ran the Boston Marathon 2018 in ultramarathon conditions, absolutely crushed. Um, there was an ultramarathon runner in there just waiting to come out. 
Um, she likes to drink bourbon. So <laughs> to me, you know, it was just it was just waiting to happen. Seven, seven, just over seven minutes. She she broke the record. I mean, like she really, you know, drew a line in the sand, as they say. I mean, it was an absolute hammer fest. Uh, massive, massive run. So impressive. Yeah. And at the end of the race, she drank champagne out of her running shoe, which I think should become some kind of tradition if you break a world record. Just saying. Uh, okay. I mean, that strikes me as more gross than anything else, but that's fine. All right. Well, when you break a world record, I will. I guarantee you'll be grabbing your shoe as quickly as you can and chugging down your Diet Coke. Right. Or whatever you so, got your whiskey bourbon. When I break a world vodka. record, Phil, you are going to drink Diet Coke out of my shoe. That's that's going to be. I mean, I'll stir it with it. your underpants and drink it down if you break a world record. There's no there's no question about that. So this, as I said, was a, a or at least previously was a very long standing world record. The the uh, record again set the record that Des broke was was set two years ago by by Allie Dixon, who was an Olympic marathoner uh, for Great Britain. Again, she broke a, a record that had stood since 1989, and I'm just going to look this up because I'm going to get the name wrong. Frith Vandermeer. Vandem- <laughs> uh, yeah, you got it wrong. Yeah, uh, 308.39 <laughs> was set in 1989. Now, uh, I'm sure Paul's going to tell us who that was and, and um, you know, why that's important. But Sounds South African. Let, let's, let's get into uh, Paul what what is the historical import of this record what is i mean i i think we're all you know a little bit i don't want to say we're a little bit in shock because i, I think we ever anyone who knew des had followed des's marathon and career would have known that this sort of this sort of performance was certainly uh, certainly within her capabilities and and actually i don't think just looking at her marathon time and and comparing it to comparable men who have run similar marathon times i don't think this was really unexpected at all, given the fact that, that she's run 222 for the marathon. I think this is pretty much right in line with where I would expect her to run. But, you know, still, so so not a shocking result, but still a definitely a, an impressive result and and uh, an historic one, at least from the point of view of, you know, the ultramarathon world and, and from the point of view of the 50K specifically. What is the historical impact or the historical import of this record from your perspective? I guess to start, the fact that I can that I have so little to say intelligently about 50k, I guess is well that that in and of itself speaks volumes, right? Right. Without uh, and considering my general levels of immersion in ultra reading, um, that should shed some light on the significance of this. Um, it was significant in the sense that we rarely see um, a pro runner in his or her athletic prime chase anything beyond the marathon. So of that, it was a particular note, but also of note was this, I'm going to mispronounce her name as well, Frith Vandermeerwe is how I've said her name. Sure. She said the, again, before Allie Dixon, who was, I guess, the first pro runner that we really saw do it, but again, she's in a different caliber, as you noted, than uh, Des, I think she has a 229 marathon vest to her name. Right. Um, Frith sent or set her record as a split in two oceans. Two oceans is the iconic 56 kilometer road race in April in South Africa, which many South Africans use as a tune up for comrades in early June. Mm-hmm. It's also the site of where depends how you want to define it, whether 
oh gosh, whichever uh, Californian recently ran 242. Thompson Magawana of South Africa held a long time 50K world record for men. That was I think two, 243, two, I think, right? That's right. But also splitting that in two oceans. So 50K has always been this kind of awkward distance where there is absolutely zero incentive for any marathoner, A, just to prolong their agony by another half hour, and B, <laughs> there's zero money. There's no fame, glory, or anything that we, or any kind of romantic notion that we find in ultras, whether trails, roads, whatever. There's none of that at 50K. Long ultra marathoners view it as basically a marathon plus an extra gel. Marathoners view it as why bother? And the truth is that all of the uncertainty that we have, that's really what defines ultras. The longer you go, what's going to happen? And for that reason, um, the, a lot of people get upset when I mention this, and not just me, other people too. How do you define an ultra? At what distance? Giannis Kuros famously said, I think past 100 miles, because up to 100 miles you could roughly train for or approach similarly the same way as, let's say, a marathon, which in essence, assume you're well prepared for it and you could execute with his level of consistency, then true. Now, by the same token, for some people, a 5K is an ultra marathon, and that's fine. But for someone who's running a 220 marathon, you had them run for another half hour and slow down a little bit, you're just not going to have that element of surprise. So with Des, this was, well... This was wonderful and a little disappointing and like so much in professional track and fields left me with very mixed emotions. Um, <laughs> this was predictable in the sense that she is, I don't think she got enough credit leading up to her Boston 2018 win for the consistency that she had in her entire career at the marathon. Much as Phil said, I think that was really well put that 2018 Boston was her first ultra. And in fact, I would say that was much more of an ultra marathon than this. She ran that, and I believe, 243, 244. Um, and that had all the hallmarks of, you know, curveballs being thrown your way and managing it mm -hmm. and persevering. Right. Um, this was as controlled, and this was about as controlled an environment as Elliot Kipchoge had in both of his Breaking 2 exhibitions. And for the similar reason, this happened on a random Tuesday, perfect weather in Oregon, and with very select company with a pacer the entire way, which I think adds a bit of an asterisk to it. Um, but this was outstanding. It brought a lot of eyeballs to it. A lot of people who would have never dreamt of looking at ultras are now kind of cocking an eyebrow about it. So in that sense, it's good. It brought the record down a lot closer to quote where it should be. Um, right. Had someone actually racing the distance, not again, Frith Vandermeer was, that was just a split in a longer race. So it's one of these things where every now and then you hear about someone as a world champion, or I think this coming week, actually, we're going to have the USATF Road National Championships for 100 miles. Mm -hmm. You can tell me what the significance of that is, especially in 2020, 2021, excuse me. Um, someone can say that they're na the national champion, but if you have the USATF Road National Championships for the half marathon one week and the 20K a week later, well, a national champion it only means so much, especially when the A-list runners aren't even showing up altogether. Right. So some records are worth more than others. Now we can say that this is a record that really means something, and hopefully that this will really attract more runners. So I think, you know, when we, to, to go kind of all sports talk radio on you, I think the, the 
instinct here is to to do like kind of a winners and losers kind of thing. And I think in in one sense, like you said, Paul, we're we're all winners, or the ultra world are winners because this it, this is a cool accomplishment. It's a cool story. It brought a lot of eyeballs. Des obviously is a, a well loved competitor um, with a storied career who is bringing new attention to the sport, and that's and that's going to be great. In another sense, I almost feel like we're all losers just because of the inevitable backlash, or I don't want to say backlash, but the inevitable stories that are going to come out from the Let's Run message boards and everything else saying this is just more proof that any decent marathoner can step up to an ultra marathon and, and we all suck because, you know, any, you know, anyone who runs Un- for, you know... Unba- unbalanced this is where i get the hate mail where i say 50k is not a real ultra well okay so that i mean well well, mostly in the sense just that again historically because you're not gonna reach that same level of surprise or unexpected curveballs but i guess in the interest of full disclosure ali dixon ran her 307 in whichever iteration of nike super shoes i think at the time it was the next percent and Des ran this in the latest iteration of Brooks. So again, if you want a strict apples to apples comparison, Frith Vandermeer ran hers as, as a split in a longer race, and Des was running this in a controlled environment, um, not nearly as hot as uh, as Two Oceans typically is. And she was running it in a pair of shoes that, as Ben True, now of course Ben True was wearing the Nike track spikes, the I believe the Vi- the Dragonfly or something like that. Um, but you know, runner after runner attests to uh, it kind of preserving your legs, which is that's not to deny the integrity of the record by any measure. But if you're trying to compare how one result looks relative to another, it's worth noting that. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I think so as far as, yes, this will reinforce biases of any kind and certainly how will a marathon or do at a longer distance, to which I would say just kind of dismiss it. People who are interested in ultras, will continue to be ultras, people who uh, continue to ignore them, or in the past have ignored them, There, this is no more reason for them to necessarily tune in. But the hand, I guess probably the majority of casual running fans who get any number of running publications, they see Des, and Des certainly now is a household celebrity. This will continue to make ultras the, what the marathon was of yore, where it used to be everybody knew somebody who did a marathon, and now everybody knows someone who's done an ultra. Right. And even Dez, you know, America's top marathoner, whatever that may or may not mean, has done an ultra. And I think it will continue to bring in more eyeballs. So right. the, the, the point that I was... Increased popularity and visibility is worth something, then we'll right. do that. Right, sure, sure. And, and the, the point that I was going to make just by bemoaning or, or uh, you know, anticipating this this kind of unimaginative interpretation from from the so-called Cognoscetti. You know, Des is not your average run-of-the-mill good marathoner. I mean, Des is one of, I don't know, the top five best women's marathoners in American history. You know, she's a Boston Marathon champ. She's a two-time Olympian. She's run 222. This is not saying that anyone can, you know, this is not just anyone who's qualified for the Olympic trials can step up and do that. I mean, she's one of the all-time greats to come up and and, and do this in a distance that is is pretty much right in her wheelhouse. The, the interesting question from an ultra fan's perspective now is going to be, well, A, does, does I mean, does this, you know, she, she's basically retired from, from competitive marathoning, at least as far as we know, following last year's Olympic trials. I, is she going to make a career in some of the more uh, uh, traditional or maybe interesting ultra marathon distances? Are we going to see her run a 50 mile? Are we going to see her run 100K? And so will she succeed if, if she decides to do that? If I'm going to interject, she 
has said, really for the better part of the last year and a half, there was some time when she left the Hansons and then she went back to her old coach and I think from her college days, um, and she would drop hints that she was interested in doing something longer and was, you know, you have your, on one extreme, let's say the Ryan Halls who had a taste of what it was to truly fly and compete with the East Africans and not like a Galen Rupp kind of sit and kick, but truly hit the gas from the gun. And, you know, once they've lost racing at an elite level, they just have no interest in, in chasing, you know, that push to be a competitive age grouper. Des has said for a long time that people like Magdalena Boulay were inspirations to her. And she was kind of curious about longer races. Like, I think the trails truly interest her more. I don't know about the technical trails. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly something like UTMB, especially like that, that has just a beautiful natural aesthetic, a beautiful location. But the idea of just one big loop around the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, the marketing and the media around it and the production value of it is phenomenal it's i think it's hard not to see what would be interesting about it but i think the more she also knows that comrades is probably a lot closer to her wheelhouse and people keep mentioning to her so she had been mentioning increased hints towards it and then most recently after boston was canceled apparently this was not widely known but she had intended to run two oceans this year before two oceans was canceled and once two oceans was canceled i think subsequently comrades was canceled then they started scrambling, and that's how this event came to be came to pass. She has committed, and I assume a huge part of it is just capitalism at work and finding where she can make money. And truly, I think she can still be competitive in the let's be honest, somewhat dilute um, fields at American majors, especially when you have a cluster of world marathon majors all in the fall, and each one is going to be pulling some top talents away from each other. Mm-hmm. But certainly, she will command a top appearance fee with Boston. So she has already committed to running Boston this year. But something like Comrades and Two Oceans are both very much on her mind, especially now that you have uh, Gerda, I'm going to mispronounce her name, it's S-T-E-Y-N, I think Stein or Stein, mm-hmm. uh, first woman to break six hours on the Comrades course. Um, and she is now entering her marathon prime. She started off as a recreational runner doing comrades like every good South African does, and then found she had some real talent and is now, I think she just ran 225 for a new South African national record. So you have people like Gerda who uh, have engaged with uh, Desi online, and I think we could see comrades happen sooner rather than later. Unfortunately, this year, um, it does not seem likely. Um, But uh, between, I think, COVID and the Olympics, I think Gerda is prioritizing the uh, the marathon in Tokyo this coming summer, but hopefully next year we'll uh, we'll see Des. And I th- I think one of the great takeaways with this was for anybody wondering what kind of shape Des was in, was she just one of these people who's run herself into the ground after a storied and wonderful career? Um, this shows like she's got some real horsepower left. Yeah, and she looks good finishing it. And um, and she's always been known to be this. And I hate this term, but she's a very gritty runner. Yeah. Game face, just she shows up ready to play ball. And no matter the weather, the conditions, she kind of perseveres with clock. And she knows her her body. She doesn't get swept into competition. So much about ultras is from a spectating perspective, it's, it's wonderful when you see people really make moves and try to respond to it. Um, 
of course, Unbreakable, tw- Western States, 2010, seeing that drama unfold, or was it like a race and you saw that unfold? Sure. On the other hand, just seeing someone who's just such a good racer and knows what he or she can do, there's something just kind of beautiful to watch when you see, whether it be Joshua Cheptegei chasing the 5,000, 10,000 meter records, or you see Zach Gooder, you know, for 100 miles and 12 hours on the track. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of beautiful in their own way. And Des, uh, I think, especially as something like Comrades with the Hills, and she, yeah, I'm bottom line, I'm excited, and I think this portends well. So, yeah, just to, to kind of wrap things up, Phil, let's, let's, let's game out the next couple of years in kind of the ideal world that we would all want to see. Uh, let's say, yeah, all right, Des runs uh, Boston this, this fall. And Paul, like you say, the, the fields are, she's going to be, you know, compete or the, the Boston field is going to have to be competing with, um, with Berlin and, and with New York, uh, for this compressed world marathon majors schedule because of the, the pandemic. So, you know, who knows what could happen then with her history there. But, uh, let's say, let's say we see a move into ultras in the next couple of years. I think comrades would be number one on the list for us to, to see. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Let, what else, what, what would you like to see going forward from Des? You know, I, I don't want to hear Barkley. If you say Barkley, uh, you're off this podcast forever because I don't let think... Me, you're going to make let it me, that easy for me? <laughs> let, <laughs> let me quickly come to the defense of Barkley. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not bang on Barkley. It's just Barkley cannot be the default answer for anything that Phil wants to see. We, you have a 222 marathon or a two-time olympian i don't care how she does at barkley where do you actually want what 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 is your dream for des over the next couple of years he wants to see her at vol state (laughs) oh that'd be amazing but i I don't know if that's gonna happen but uh, yeah i mean comrades two oceans definitely gonna get a huge amount of profile there um and then something maybe like tunnel hill you know a real fast one where she can throw down like a really quick time um or you know maybe the u.s 100 mile championship something like that mm-hmm. you know i'd be in, i'd be interested to see her you know maybe at uh 100k trail champs mm-hmm. just to kind of see you know something not super technical not with a ton of climbing kind of just see what she's got on that terrain i'm sure she's gonna be amazing um but i think i think the next step for her in ultra is probably comrades and two oceans because they're so high profile um and then you know venture into the sort of uh you know trails as it were tunnel hill i'd, I'd love to Bend. i'd love to see I, her at jfk i'd love to i've got JFK, a very different yeah so my take is i have zero desire to see her at something like tunnel hill tunnel hill unless you suddenly have a great cohort of competitive athletes show up you have one or two very good athletes who make it turn into a solo exhibition which is wonderful it's time trial but yeah, I have no interest yeah, in seeing that. Yeah, good I'd love I, to see her on a course, a JFK, where, where there's 50-plus years right. of history so some, and, and every great ultra runner has run that race. Right, so, so something that's very runnable with real history, which is also kind of like these in-between trails. So you right. mentioned JFK. Honestly, the first one that really came to mind, and as much as I uh, groan when people say Western States, I'd love to see her at Western States. Hell yes. The other, especially, I mean, Western is... When it comes down to it, you have to be other be able to manage the technical sections, the heat, whatever else. But it's a runner's race when it comes down to it. For sure. It, the other big race yeah. this year just is the hundred K on the roads, yeah. which you have Tomo Abe 
of Jap of Japan, who is, I believe, a 226 marathoner who ran the 100K at Lake Roma in her prime and ran 633. Mm -hmm. Now, for uh, reasons that are more complicated than most listeners will want to hear, um, that fits World Athletics record quality criteria. It does not fit the Association of Road Racing Statisticians criteria. They say that it has, uh, you can benefit from a tailwind. So it seems that it's reasonably likely that that record was set with some degree of tailwind, including, by the way, the record that Jim Walmsley did not break. Also, presumably, also, uh, also set at Lake Saroma. That's tailwind. Right. Yep. If any, if anything, someone like me would say Jim has the world record. Mm -hmm. Putting that aside, that is a race with its own rich history. Unfortunately, it conflicts with comrades. Same time, it's in the same month. Um, but really, to see her tackle 100k, um, she will have a in a Western state, she'll have plenty of time to run and run very competitively. 6.33 is hard, and that required, and that's partly why Jim, for example, just ran this 100K, was he will have a uh, narrowing window. It can draw on his leg speed. And uh, so that's probably what I'd be interested in seeing her run most as far as um, what she could do for 100 miles at Tunnel Hill. I'll tell you what she could do. She could do what Zach Bitter did. Right. That's my... That's my cool take, and I, <laughs> no great, I have no great desire to, just to see a, a formal execution of that. I mean, the, the, you know, the question always becomes uh, or, or always arises about you know, different energy systems. And I mean, the, the demands of a 100 mile are, are somewhat different from the demands, obviously, of a, a marathon or a, a 50K. I, I, I have no doubt that she would be fantastic in a road 100K. I think that would be awesome. I mean, her marathon PR is a few minutes behind that of guys like... Max, who have run six twenty seven for a hundred k, Jim. Six twenty seven. I mean ran. that that the six twenty seven of Max gets mentioned a lot. There's a couple things of note. Um, he didn't enter unprepared, but I don't think he approached it with the same level of consistency that some other people might. But and not a fast a, course either. Right, hot, humid, hairpin turns. Yep, and slippery ground. So that was. Um, if you look at other runners, I mean. I, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think. You have a number of people who ran in the high two teens who did break um, 620. Um, Steve Way comes to mind. Um, Valmir Nunez. And I, I don't have the stats right in front of me, but it's actually it's, Jeff Burns. Wait, Jeff, right, exactly. Jeff I, was, I was thinking of guys, so, guys like Jeff Burns and Pat Regan who have run 630 now, or low now, 630s. Dude, right, so Jeff Burns is a, is a little faster. And, of course, he blew up to his 630. But that's it's very much in line, and that's I think what she would be. Exactly, uh, I, I think somewhere in the in the high six twenties, low six thirties range would certainly be right in her wheelhouse based on this performance and and her marathon PR. Um, yeah. And that would certainly be it. Uh, I, I mean, that would be a, a record of great historical import. I think if she yes. were to take that down. And and a hundred k people domestically don't really realize it, but a hundred k on the roads is has incredible depth historically and even currently across the globe. And it has a real significance, but really down the road where, I mean, that would be, that'd be cool to see. That'd be a one-off. And I think, I, you know, again, some extent of a formal execution. I really am curious to see her at a race like Western States. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, you get her golden ticket at uh, probably Black Canyon, right? Kind of runnable, not super technical. 
A good one to see her there. Yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd think she could get it anywhere. I mean, you could say kind of the same thing about Bandera, which can be tricky in spots, but is really a, a very runnable race as well. Right. Yeah. If there, The truth is, if any one of those race races gives her trouble, then that'll be a good limits test with whether she should she should Whether she could handle whether she states at all, exactly. Just yet. Right. 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 Yeah. Paul, you've been very generous with your time, and I know you have to go. Thanks for, <laughs> for jumping on. Phil, this this was this was fun. I'm I'm excited that this happened. I I so good. Uh, I, I'm I'm excited for the future and uh, and I mean, congrats to Des. She's she's you know a great American champion and and now a world record holder for whatever that's worth, and that's fantastic. And I think the publicity that's come up in the last few days just from this has been great, and it's got everybody talking, which can only mean good things for our sport. So so that's good stuff. By the way, of Particularly note, and only because you mentioned Barkley, this had fewer updates than Barkley typically gets. <laughs> wow. Believe it or not, live, real time. Well, so. it, it lasted a lot less time, so that, there's that yes. to say for it as well. All right. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. We're going to be back uh, next week. with uh, We're going to push back, I think, our, our interview that we recorded just a couple days ago just to give a, this a little space to breathe. And we'll be back early next week with a fantastic guest on our 20 Questions pod. Thank you guys for jumping on. Thank you to Paul and Phil for your time tonight. Thank you to everyone for listening. And until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up. The years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not jaded, just been faded. Like a good old pair of jeans Rusted like a proud old car That's drove a little too far And seen too much rain But long ago as a child I look about the night sky In wild wonderment And ride the bus feel upset To think of all the years I'd have to go through there I was still young I was still young And I was still young